0: look. You know what? I, I, I'm excited that you're in this room right now, because I've waited four years to tell you this. Do you know the year 2006? 2006? Yes, 2006. You don't really say 2006. It's 2006. 2006 is like saying the year 2000, and by the way, the number six. 2000 and six was the greatest year of my entire life i had a double platinum comedy album first one ever to exist i had a massive hbo special i was on the cover of time but well, you were on the corner the little corner thing it wasn't the, not like when the president is on the cover 2006
1: It's Britney, bitch, and uh, Iraq everywhere, like such. I'm supposed to be the franchise player, and we're in here talking about practice. Ladies and gentlemen, we got them. Out, Charlie! Our next-door neighbors are foreign countries. I call upon all nations to do everything they can to stop these terrorist killers. Thank Thank you. Now watch
2: this drive. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Remember Shuffle. My name is Ben. With me, as always, is my co-host, Jordano. Hello.
3: Hi. (laughs) Hi. How are you doing?
2: (laughs) And today we are joined by no one. This is our first ever two-mic episode.
3: Yeah, I've had a lot of people complain that they can't tell Ben and I's voice apart. So this is probably the best episode for trying to scientifically figure out who's talking because there is no third person here.
2: Yes. And today we are talking about Dane Cook. Let me describe how we got here. Jordano sent me a message and he prefaced it by saying, you know how the Rolling Stones wrote satisfaction in six (laughs) minutes or whatever it was? I just drafted up an episode on Dane Cook in 45. The words flowed through me as if the muse was talking to me. So Jordano, why in the fuck are we
3: talking about Dane Cook? I am so excited for this topic. Dane Cook As someone that I'm ashamed to say I was a very big fan of at 15 years old. So we're going to be talking about Dane Cook because this is a 2000s podcast. And Dane Cook was the most successful comedian of the 2000s, something that I think is a great representation for how stupid that decade was, that this guy had the highest selling comedy album of the decade. He broke so many records, Dane Cook's meteoric rise. He released an album called Retaliation, and it became the only comedy album since 1978 to ever chart on the Billboard charts. It debuted at number four on the Billboard 200. It's impossible to overstate how big Dane Cook was. He was the second comedian ever to sell out Madison Square Garden. Yeah, insane. And he's bad. He's a bad, (laughs) bad comic. I can forgive you. If you were 15, I can forgive myself. I've taken a lot of work. (laughs) I've forgiven myself for liking Dane Cook at 15. But if you were any older than like 21, I'm sorry, but you were part of the problem.
2: (laughs) Yeah, Dane Cook kind of, as we'll talk about in full later, he kind of skipped the meritocracy line. He was performing since the early 90s, but he blew up in this particular historical moment because he was an early adopter of social media. This motherfucker paid $25,000 to make DaneCook.com something you can do with Squarespace now for free for your first (laughs) year. And he was known for having a a cool MySpace page with lots of hot
3: babes on them. Oh, dude, the babes in... in his top eight were so hot yeah. i remember i remember all the babes in his top eight were doing this sufi Or they had Sufi tattoos. And what is a Sufi for our younger listeners? Oh, God. Right, right. (laughs) That was Dane Cook's invented hand symbol. It was the super finger. So it was more powerful than the finger because you were you're putting up two middle fingers, your ring finger and your middle finger.
2: But he would respond to fans directly. He was able to find and carve out a little niche of mostly young, mostly college aged, mostly people who were starting to spend more and more of their lives on the internet really got into Dan
3: Cook. It's a stereotype that this decade didn't want to think very much. And that's why the music was so vapid. Uh, that's certainly true for the stand-up.
2: Yeah, for this particular mainstream stand-up comedy, I think.
3: But for some reason, people like Dan Cook the most. And I think like Ben said, it was because he was able to have a social media presence before anybody else. Something that is now so important to stand-up comedians that it's basically mandatory. You basically have to have a TikTok where you ask the crowd if they've ever been with a squirter or something something. And Dan Cook was the first person to do that. He is the forerunner of, of the TikTok comedian. We'll get into that later.
2: Yeah. And I would just close this little intro hook by saying this guy, this guy, in terms of his style, in terms of his aesthetic, in terms of his whole vibe, this guy's a douchebag. I don't know if people still use the word douchebag much, especially the youngins. It t- seems to me a very Y2K early 2010s. He is word. a bag of douche, <laughs> as Dan Cook would himself say. But I pulled a Quick definition from Urban Dictionary. A douchebag is a person with an overinflated ego coupled with a low intelligence who has no idea people are making fun of his style
3: or personality.
2: Yes, I think he is the Pied Piper of the douchebags, the king, the messiah, the next one of the douchebag community.
3: One reason I really wanted to do this episode is because my favorite episode of Comptown is the Tom Myers album review, which I listen to every few months, and I've always wanted to do something similar. So this is. My homage to that episode We'll be breaking down Dane Cook's Retaliation album As well as some of his other work And just sort of taking a look At some of the internal logic <laughs> to his <laughs> jokes Or lack thereof Yeah, they say the
2: number one way To ruin the joke is by explaining it But you can't ruin
3: <laughs> a trash heap Yeah, and I wanted so badly To exonerate Dane Cook I wanted to have the hot take That he's actually good <laughs> mm-hmm, That this is a
2: post- modern deconstruction of what it means to be a performer or an audience or some dog shit take like that.
3: Right. Because anybody can say that Dan Cook's bad and we're certainly going to do that over the next hour. But it would be really, really cool. And I think more impressive take if I was able to unlock some kind of hidden truth behind his works. And it's just not possible. Dan Cook is a bad comedian then. He's worse now somehow. And we really have to self-flagellate ourselves as a society for buying so many of his albums. <laughs> and putting him on a pedestal in 2006. Casting
2: him in movies as the lead. And we should also stress, he's not a good person. Either. Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> That's the other part, too. I was hoping to exonerate him through. I'm like, maybe if he's not funny, he's at least self-aware. I thought it was very funny when Vanilla Ice came out recently and was like, yeah, you know what? My music in the 90s was, it's not that good, but I was kind of just reflecting the state of music at the time. And I think Hook is one of the least self-aware comedians. I've ever come across. I've listened to him on a bunch of podcasts. He has never taken stock of himself, although he likes to believe that he has. No comedians like him, right? He's pretty universally hated. And whenever you ask Dane Cook, why do other comedians hate you? He'll say something like, well, you know what? I dressed really well. I had really good fashion for a comedian. And it was too much for a lot of people. They were just jealous. They were just jealous of my affliction t shirts and my ripped jeans.
2: You know? Yeah, he's also allegedly stolen jokes. He was in a joke-stealing controversy with Louis C.K. And yeah, he has never once done introspection. This is a guy who, in his late 40s, started dating an 18-year-old. They're now married.
3: And people say that he, they were just friends before she was 18, and they started dating when she was 18. They met at a game night at his house. Ooh, so, yeah. yeah, don't bring your 17-year-old over to a game night at Dane Cook's house. House, by the way yeah oof Listen, I will admit, Dane Cook is a great performer. He has that Will Ferrell sensibility where he can commit 100% to doing a weird voice or acting strange. Screaming. Yeah, screaming. I mean, no one can scream without hesitation like that. It's a very admirable skill. But anytime you try to bring this up to Dane Cook, when I've seen in interviews, he will push back against it and also point out that he's also a great joke writer. Yeah, he's not.
2: And it's funny, he can't
3: accept the compliment of just being an amazing, performer. And I just think that he did very little to help other comedians. Other comedians didn't like him. There is even a story of Daniel Tosh refusing to shake his hand in the green room one day when they were both performing together. And Dane Cook asked him why. And he's like, well, I don't like you. You've bumped me a bunch of times when you were famous and I was coming up. And Dane Cook said, well, that's the way it is. When I was younger, I got bumped all the time by Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock. Bigger comedians just bump smaller comedians. And I think the thing that Dane Cook doesn't realize is that people respect Chris Rock. (laughs) People do not respect you. And so if you're going to bump someone, you should talk to them about it and say sorry and and maybe have a relationship with them. And Theo Vaughn, who's a friend of Dane Cook, has brought up that he thinks of Dane Cook as a lone wolf. And Dane Cook was like, well, I don't agree with that. And it seems like the perception is that he is a lone wolf and is not trying to help anybody else out with their careers, was not friendly with his success, not sharing the spotlight. And And was not respected by any other comedians. Yeah, so let's move on to the album review. For sure. So, okay, so now that we've gotten (laughs) the first bit of our bashing, we just want to preface that because we're going to be bashing Dave Cook a lot, and we wanted to make sure that we pointed out first that he's not self aware, he's dating a child. Yeah, he doesn't practice solidarity with other comedians. Right. So let's play a couple clips from his 2005. It's his second album, Retaliation, Dane Cook's two CD album. So this is a track called Super Bleeder.
0: We laugh, but we love violence in this country. We like violence. Okay, interesting premise. little violent tendency. I'm not the only person. I know you're like me. When you see somebody walking down the street wearing a Superman Mm T-shirt, you just want to shoot them in the chest. When they start to bleed, go. I guess not.
3: Yeah, you know that, that universal impulse. <laughs>
0: Don't wear the shirt.
3: You shouldn't wear the shirt. Wear a shirt that says yeah. "I
0: bleed" if you shoot me in the chest plate, and I will not shoot you in the chest plate. Super bleeder.
2: <laughs> I called him Super bleeder. <laughs>
3: Okay, let's let's talk about Super Bleeder.
2: Like Dane Cook's therapist, let's dig down a little bit. <laughs> so we're going to be doing a lot of armchair psychiatry on this episode. If I had to give a diagnosis, I would say that I think Dane Cook has whatever the kid with the backpack and big mouth has. Because he doesn't seem to be able to take language as anything other than literal.
3: No, 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 no. no. Don't sit with the kid with the rolly backpack. He can't read social cues. Hi, you're looking at me. How tall are you? There's a monster next to you. Hey, what's up, Caleb? <laughs> you're not superman you're not literally superman you're not literally superman yeah dane cook is an observational comic that's the only type of comedian that he really is he's doing another version of jerry seinfeld's like hey you ever notice people wear superman t-shirts but they don't actually have powers so i want to kill them <laughs> i think the most twisted part of that joke is in his hypothetical situation he calls the person that he's just shot super bleeder and then he comes back to himself in front of the audience and laughs and says haha i called him super bleeder mm-hmm. which is repeating his joke in a voice that's himself outside of the hypothetical situation like it's not jim gaffigan's audience reaction voice he's actually doing an impression of himself laughing at his own joke mm-hmm. let me play that back for a second
0: in the chest plate and i will not shoot you in the chest plate super bleeder <laughs> i called him super bleeder i mean
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah number four on the billboard charts everybody okay so next we're gonna move on to a couple jokes called legacy
0: things that i have learned uh, in my recent past that i'm excited to share with you tonight the thing i've realized is we all want to leave behind a legacy we all want to be remembered for something and i was thinking about it going how can i be remembered and then i suddenly realized you can do it on a daily basis even if it's one-on-one with people okay that's the premise (laughs) here's another way to be remembered again and this one this is more personal it's more for you because nobody's ever gonna know that it was you but you'll know and that's all that matters
2: well you just said it was about legacy
0: next time you go to a party yeah you'll
2: know but where all the
0: coats are (laughs) shit on the coats
2: shit listen to how he delivers that into the mic Uh
0: guaranteed at some point somebody's gonna walk out of that room and go someone shit on the coats has shit on the coats. That's the only thing you can say when someone shits on the coats. Someone shit on the coats.
3: Mm, very a yeah, good observation there.
0: <laughs> they might say, "I think someone shit on the coats," but you know, you're just afraid to be the bearer of bad news. I think someone may have shit on or around the coat area. There's a smell of. Shit
3: Okay, so the premise to this joke seems to be that if you go into a room and you do a bad thing, something that causes people harm, (laughs) then at some point someone will notice the harm and come out and describe that to the group. That's the premise? Yes, correct. Okay.
2: (laughs) He has totally just contradicted his own premise, which is the legacy is the legacy you leave behind what other people think of you. And then he's like, here's something that you will always know about, but it's done in total anonymity. So it betrays the whole legacy premise. But yeah, I I mean, I'm kind of reminded of a better comedian. Dave Chappelle has a bit where he talks about coming up with a punchline and then trying to reverse engineer a joke from it. And the joke that he did, and this is a a long game over the course of his special, is, uh, and then I kicked her in the pussy. Mm -hmm. or something of that nature. And you can tell that Dane Cook is trying to do something similar with the funny sentence someone shit on the coats, but he's not a good enough comedian to build a joke around it. So he covers it up with repetition. How many times does he repeat the phrase somebody shit on the coats in this (laughs) fucking bit? Or tries to use synonyms or someone shit in or around the coats or I think someone shit on the coats. It must be at least half a dozen times in 30 seconds.
3: He loves to repeat himself. It's one of his, it's Stylistic Trade features <laughs> Yeah But to me The real sin of the joke Is just that the observational comedy Is supposed to be Noticing a universal truth About the world And then playing with How absurd it is But this is Neither This is neither A universal experience Although I suppose It is a hypothetical Universal experience <laughs> <laughs> And two What's the funny angle here There is no angle It's just If you shit on the coats Someone will come out And say hey Someone shit on the coats mm-hmm. That's the end of the joke is that someone will describe the thing that happened. Yeah. What's the fucking joke? <laughs> Shit on the coast is a funny sentence. I guess it Sound like. So then he's a he's a poet. He's a <laughs> <laughs> get a beret on this man. Let's finish this one out. You
0: need to believe someone- But again, you're there. You're there watching it all happen. And it's your job, all you're gonna do at some point, you're gonna lean in and go, what? And then blend back into the crowd. What? I hope it wasn't on my coat. And then boom, you're a phantom. Disappear, disappear.
3: But I, I thought you were trying to leave a legacy. But if you remember your own legacy, that's what's important. That makes a lot of sense, Dane.
2: It's crazy how much it sounds like he's crushing.
3: The Bobby. honest is losing it. America was losing it for Dane Cook in the 2000s. I saw him live. I yeah. owned a three-quarter sleeve Dane Cook Vicious Circle t-shirt. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> What had, did did Bin Laden drive a plane into our brains? (laughs) (laughs) Why did we like this? Yeah,
2: I think the way that he delivers lines has a lot to do with it. Repetition is part of the style, but listen to how he says, what? How he overpronounces things.
3: And like I said, I don't deny that he's a good performer. Mm -hmm. It's like someone who's the best person at rattling keys in front of a baby. yes (laughs) yes <laughs> to me it doesn't matter how good of a performer you are this man's the michael jordan of keys juggling. <laughs> yeah it's, it's too visceral i need something that has an actual thoughtful joke to it yeah all right well, let's move on to car alarm the point that i wanted to get through here is take a look at how long the setup for this joke is before he even gets to the fucking point
0: there are certain sounds in this oh, world God, that when you hear them they make you react in different ways there are certain sounds that when it floats into your eardrum and it goes high into your cerebellum located near your limbic system you hear the sound
3: so random
0: react in a certain way some sounds soothing right you hear like the sound of a babbling brook blah, 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 blah. Maybe the sound of the dryer with the towels. That was a horrible impersonation of. I know. I'm not. Don't bullshit me. That was, that was bad. That's the best I can do.
3: Oh, we're going back to it. Oh, that's great. Okay. <laughs>
0: It's like haunted laundry oh, now.
3: We're going back <laughs> to the laundry. Great. <laughs> Okay, we're a minute into this joke. We're one minute into the joke. And there's been a lot of examples. (laughs) (laughs) To illustrate the premise, different sounds
2: elicit different reactions. Uh He has had multiple different examples. And as Drunido said, which he then repeats.
3: Yeah. And keep in mind what Jerry Seinfeld says about comedy, which is that you should eliminate as much fat as possible and just get at the joke's basic essence. Dane Cook does not believe in this school of thought. Dan Cook's school of thought is to have the fattiest piece of bacon possible. <laughs> bacon is the right meat for this. Oh,
2: analogy yes. He's an epic bacon comedian and that is nothing but fat. <laughs> really, it really it's more of a confit. It's a meat that's been cooked in a low temperature, high fat oil. Hold on. I want to circle back to the premise. This is such a Dan Cook stylistic marker. He talks and he delivers lines like a very dumb guy, like a frat bro from Boston where he's from. But he peppers in SAT words like cerebellum which as you might have heard is a laugh line from the audience or limbic system. His delivery on these words. Yeah like Jordan says he's a great performer. It sounds funny when this guy in this way says these words you say SAT words in a dumb way but it's not a fucking
3: joke. No it's not. It's not a punchline. It has no uh, joke structure. There's no setup and punchline at all. Dan Cook doesn't have. I mean he has some punchlines but there's a dearth of punchlines. There are lines in which he acts out punching something, which I think is what we're about to get <laughs> That's to. That's when he thinks is a punchline. It's just one where he's miming punching someone. Yeah.
0: But then there are certain sounds in this world mm. that for whatever reason, just the way it hits you, it makes you want to punch a
3: baby. ah <laughs> the punchline. I planned that. It yeah. makes
0: you want to punch a baby. God forbid you're in a nursery. When you hear the sound, you go on a baby punching tangent. You will start punching...
3: Two, three four oh God help
0: me. It's the sound that makes me punch infants. Oh.
3: Five. Let's just pause there. Yeah. So
2: I was counting. We each were
3: putting up numbers. On our, putting I, was, up I was counting baby punches.
2: Uh, the sounds that he makes. It sounds kind of like a some kind of barnyard animal <laughs> getting the fucking bolt in its skull more than a baby sound. I was counting how many times he used the phrase "punch a baby," and mm. it's five. It's five times he says either punch a baby so or both punch. He says
3: it the word "punch a baby" five times, and then he actually mimes out punching five different babies. And so that's 10 total. You've heard of the rule of threes, but Dane (laughs) Cook's more of a rule of fives guy. Damn. (laughs) He really likes to pad things out. Oh, man. Dane Cook is the sound that makes me want to punch an infant. (laughs) God forbid I be in a nursery when I hear Dane Cook. No, God forbid you be with him and his wife when (laughs) you...
2: Am I right? All right, let's keep it moving. I love it
0: when it's late at night, and you're in bed, and you're nice and cozy. You're watching your favorite shows. For me, Justice Files. That's my favorite show. Uh,
3: get to the point! <laughs> get to the point! Like I
0: do. People say, Dane, why do you love the show? It's simple, because I love Justice. <laughs> and I love Files. <laughs> and when the two come together, I could blow a justice load.
4: The crowd load. is,
0: is losing load. it. Yeah, wow. It's late at night and you're late. Oh, there we're back. All of a sudden, okay, all right, we're I back sigh. to the sounds. You hear a car alarm go off for like forty-six minutes.
3: Forty-six, <laughs> that's precise. Oh. Yeah. Epic guy moment. <laughs>
2: that's my favorite part right there.
3: Oh, we repeated part of the car alarm sound. I love it. Yeah. I get
0: inspired. I walk around my house.
3: Come to say he loves it. Yeah. Wait a tick. <laughs> I thought this makes you want to punch baby. Yeah. The sound.
0: In fact, one night I wrote lyrics. <laughs> now every time I hear one, I stand on my bed. I'm like, hello.
3: I'm a car. I don't mind the car alarm set Can't to lyrics. <laughs> Okay, we're doing it again. Oh, different lyrics.
0: (laughs) All
3: right, applause break for the car alarm song. Yeah. Just a 10 second, twenty. I don't care
0: if you laughed at that or not. Next time you hear that shit, you're gonna be like.
3: No, I won't. Again, the premise of the joke is sometimes you hear sounds that make you want to punch a baby, like a car alarm. I love hearing car alarms. <laughs> I start singing a song. Would you like to hear the song I wrote? I have two different versions of it. <laughs> Would you like to hear both? The world's worst dream of consciousness. <laughs> These jokes don't make any fucking sense. They're so full of fat. They're stupid. They, Ah, oh, God damn. I hate this so much. <laughs>
2: when he starts going into the the annoying car alarm sound, which, yeah, it sounds awful and grating. It reminds me of some of the Family Guy jokes where there's no punchline, but it's just you repeat something annoying a very long time. It becomes unfunny. And then it becomes funny again for whatever reason, like Stewie saying mom or mommy over and over and Mm -hmm. over again. But that works in Family Guy because it's a cutaway. It's an animated sitcom and we can move on to the next thing. And there's some kind of story and frame device doesn't work well
3: as stand up. No. And I got so mad when he went on his 25 second Justice Files tangent Mm. because I just want him to stick to the joke so badly, but he can't help himself. Okay, there are sounds that are annoying, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's like I was watching Justice Files Which you know I love Justice and I love files or I could blow a load And it's like shut up go back <laughs> to the Joke this is something An open micer should have figured out God damn it jordano
2: <laughs> out here listening To comedy like a German There is a the structure
3: <laughs> Okay I don't think that like, a Justice Filey load is good enough to Warrant having two CDs Instead of one
2: <laughs> Yeah this is a double album this is the clashes london calling <laughs> but of comedy
3: that's the reason why this album is two cds it's because of those justice files tangents Mm-hmm. oh god i'm gonna have a fucking heart attack recording <laughs> this one <laughs> let's keep it going all right so uh parking structure
2: we're gonna circle back this is actually from dane cook's first album parking okay. structure is not from retaliation this is from his 2003 harmful if Swallow. so maybe dane cook's early work is a little better
3: this was actually the stuff that he had to work out in tough rooms and not in front of his fans which is causing him to atrophy his skills a little bit
0: i was over at your uh i went to one of these malls you get a big mall going on over there the galleria there
3: clearly just something he says to every city by the way yeah
0: I went over the mall. I I had to park uh, nearby in in uh, in the parking structure. You know when you're parking, you know the parking structure. You 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 know you go up at like there's like forty stories and you always have to park up on the fucking roof. <laughs> what do they pave that with? What is that? That's not concrete. Whatever that's pa- you could be driving five miles an hour. It sounds like you're in a chase scene from Chips. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> it's so <bad. sighs> oh, oh
4: it's so. I'm backing
0: low. up what the fuck is that you got sneakers on you trying to walk in
3: okay again Dan cook is a observational comedy
2: and thank god we finally got a joke about paving (laughs) and paving quality i've been thinking about this for years
3: what's the deal with the different kinds
2: of concrete asphalt and cobblestones
3: Yeah, I would hate for this to be one of those things that I haven't noticed, but everybody else has. But this is not a thing. Again, it's a reverse-engineered joke. He realized. Oh,
2: you know what's funny is me. Yeah, doing the voice. This this, this dinosaur screech, and he's like, "What in the world sounds like this dinosaur screech?"
3: <laughs> and then took his first. The
2: first thing he thought of. Which was weird pavement. Yeah. And yeah, like you say, this is his attempt to ingratiate himself in whatever town he's in. And he just goes with the generic proximity to a mall parking garage structure. It's like, man, you gotta
3: try just a little harder. Let me try, see if we should finish this off.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Okay. Did I get the rule of five.
0: <laughs> Keep it going for that joke.
2: Oh, so pathetic. Oh, okay. This guy's looking for a topical reference in the year 2003, and he references <laughs> the TV series Chips, a show which went off the air in 1983. <laughs>
3: It is Tom Myers bringing up The Devil Knows You're Dead in his act. Yeah. Insane. Anyway, so just keep in mind what he just said about exaggeration, right? 40-story parking structure, the pavement that sounds like chips, I guess. Okay, so this is another joke of his. I just want to point out some of this lack of congruence between this joke called Exaggerating Girlfriend.
0: Mm. This girl that I was seeing, this is why we had to break it off. Because I don't like a girl that exaggerates. I can't listen to your stories when you exaggerate. And here's why, because when you tell me a story, I really listen. I listen, and I don't just listen, I listen. I don't just hear you, I hear A rule you. of fives. <laughs> so when you start telling me the story, what happens to me is my brain is so fantastical
2: that... That's one word for it, dude. I was being quirky. <laughs>
0: such a fantastical brain that when you start to exaggerate, I don't follow the story, I follow the exaggeration. Mm. And it gets me frustrated because she would be like, Oh my God, Dane, there was a fire down the street from my house. There was like a thousand firefighters out there. No, there was not. That's way too many firefighters. They'd all be out there bumping into each other. What the fuck are we doing out here, guys? a thousand
3: of us? Who called a thousand of us? What do you think of this premise for the joke? <laughs> <laughs> the premise is Dane Cook is neurodivergent. <laughs> yeah, he, he he's not able to take in context clues. But then, even if you accept it as a joke, I just don't know that it's strong enough. What if when people exaggerated, they were serious? This is coming from a, a guy whose job is to exaggerate.
2: Yeah. Did he exaggerate? Oh, I don't know. The parking structure the par- sounds. <laughs> yeah, the sounds
3: from the parking structure.
0: Is anyone on the hoses? I believe there's a thousand of us. If I were to guesstimate, I got home to work today. I took like a hundred
3: hour nap. Okay, great. We're gonna get a second example no, of the not. phenomenon he just described.
0: You'd be very sick if you're taking hundred hour naps. That's a coma. Say so you took a coma. Afterwards. Shut up!
3: Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> okay, I can't take any more of that. We're gonna move on. Okay. This next bit is called nightmares. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bit about listening to Dane Cook's act. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I had this weird dream, man. And you know how, like, you have a nightmare and it's so intense that you're, you're, even your leg tries to wake you up. Your leg's like, get it up! <laughs> your leg pff, kicks awake and you wake up. I, I was, this is the dream, right? I was being chased by a giant crab. <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> this huge, like, 50-foot crab. He was chasing me down a beach. He was doing that crab run where he was like, <laughs>
2: Ooh, some sound effects he was snapping at me
0: with his little snappers and he was all night long he was trucking he was doing like a hundred miles an hour. And you know how like when you're being chased by like a killer or a beast in the dream hey it's
3: like okay you're describing a dream to us you could go to that island off the coast of India where they haven't had any human contact <laughs> and I'm pretty sure if you brought up hey I, have, I had a dream last night you would get the same reaction you would hear which is dude I don't want to hear it yeah unless I'm in it <laughs> I don't want to hear it and even then I probably don't want to hear it it's <laughs> a so, dane cook has turned that into the premise for this joke which is that he's been chased by a giant crab
0: they can run as fast as they want but you can't fucking
3: see this i don't mind because there's Ah, there's actually like an observation about real life here Mm -hmm. which is that you have a hard time running in a dream
0: (laughs) and his eyes were up here and lightning was shooting out of his eyes okay
3: awesome so random
2: loafers or something oh so random so random yeah. All right,
3: I'm going to stop putting it into the nightmares. <laughs> okay, so next we'll discuss a bit called Walgreens. Or actually, it's called The Wall, which is what he calls Walgreens. The Walgreens joke that we're going to cover is over 10 minutes long. Mm. This is the free bird of <laughs> comedy jokes. Let me see if I can find the right part that I want. Oh, so Dan Cook has decided that he's going to start cutting people in line mm-hmm. just for... I think his words are giggles and thriggles or something. At
0: this point that I got away with it, that he finally just had to say something, okay? He had to let me know how angry he was, and I don't know why he went with this first. The first thing he just grabbed out of his brain, he went, yeah, nice! (laughs) Which I thought was an interesting choice. Out of all the things you could say, and especially in that tone, you could say anything in that tone, and I get, yeah, cinnamon bits!
3: Random, yeah, so random.
0: Yeah, seafood salad. Ooh. Oh, an- another
3: example. I get it.
0: You're angry, but he went with yeah, nice.
3: Okay, so Dan Cook is well. It's that the other made switch.
0: me interested. And as I was walking towards the door, I finally was like, I gotta look and see the face of the man who was so angry at me. He would say yeah, nice. So I take a few steps and then I gander back and we catch each other's eye. And then I added this little thing. I went. <laughs>
3: Okay, so let's break down what's going on here. Dane Cook has cut someone in line at the wall, and someone, upon noticing that he's been cut, says, yeah, nice. And Dane Cook's like, I don't understand why he would say that. Like, I guess Dane Cook is unaware of the basic sarcasm that the guy is expressing, right? He's He doesn't obviously genuinely feel that this is nice, but he's just sarcastically saying, oh, look, nice, nice, nice try. Maybe Dane Cook is an alien from another planet. <laughs> Maybe
2: he's a humanoid alien who has come down here.
3: He is obsessed with UFOs, actually. Yeah, he's he has an extended bit about it. But he also on podcasts, he brings up how much he is obsessed with UFOs. So maybe he's trying to find his home planet. <laughs> that's what <laughs> yeah. that's about. And then Dane Cook laughs at him. So the guy says, yeah, nice. And then Dane Cook goes, ha, 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 ha. And this is like an applause break from the audience.
2: You got to stress how much of his comedy, in scarce quotes, is wrapped up in his physical movements. Because I think, if I remember correctly from the 2000s, he kind of looks over his shoulder and tilts his head and does a little giggle (coughs) or whatever to try and hammer this home, but it's so fucking funny that this sold as an album, as a CD, as a compact disc (laughs) album. An album that you put on a compact disc. (laughs) It is so auditory, but so much of his comedy is physical. I remember there's another special in a true Dane Cook fashion, he talks about a beeline that should really Mm. be an eye line if you think about it and then he walks in the shape of the letter B on the
3: stage Mm -hmm. terrible okay so we're gonna move on to I think it's the ultimate track of the album it is 12 and a half minutes long and it is a joke called the chicken sandwich So get ready for... I mean, we've gone beyond Freebird at this point. I mean, I don't know what songs are 12 minutes long. Can you think of anything? Stairway to Heaven is seven. Yeah, prog
2: rock shit. (laughs) We've transcended from experimental shit. I think we're into jam
3: band territory in that (laughs) it's
2: repetitive and annoying. We're into like Grateful Dead and fish.
3: Yeah, yeah. Dan Cook is like a Grateful Dead of comedians. Okay, so this is a joke called the chicken sandwich. We're obviously not going to play the whole thing because it's 12 hours and a half minutes long
2: let me let me summarize what it is dane cook goes to a burger king king he wants to order a chicken sandwich and he has an altercation with the cashier Mm. in which they use escalating mean words for one another yes that's correct you notice how i did that uh, i think under 30 seconds
3: (laughs) dane takes 12
0: (laughs) thank you tiny mexican baby playing with a plastic toy i know it's on so I step so back random. up and I figure, you know what? I'm going to end this. I'm going to put the kibosh on this thing right now. It's gone too far. pal, buddy, chief, pimp,
4: <laughs>
0: I say, I'm going old school on this guy right now. I'm putting the end to it. And I hit him with something that you can't come back from. I stood my ground and I just finally said, after a good breath, I went, no problem, gay lord.
3: How long is this applause break? Let me see. One two, Holy Thank shit! Very okay, yeah. So that's the ending joke. Yeah, and a 10-second applause break for I called the guy gay at the chicken store.
2: Gay yep. lord. Gay lord. Yes. Yeah.
3: Honestly, that joke would be funny if you just called him gay. What? What's up? Why gay lord? Yeah. What is Gaylord? Because it, it sounds very random. I guess, yeah, it's got a bit of the randomness to it. This is just a shaggy dog story,
2: right? This is a kind of joke. You just don't hear it in stand up very much. I mean, there's a classic post on the internet where the punchline is better Nate than Lever, but you tell a rambling, incoherent shaggy dog story, and then you end with an absolute groaner of a pun. And Dane Cook gets the setup of a shaggy dog story. <laughs> he with loves, all he the loves that part
3: of it. Yeah. <laughs> he's, but he's not smart enough to do all. Wordplay at the end. (laughs) I just wanted to play that because he does a 12 minute setup to a punchline, which is I called the guy gay. Got his ass. (laughs) <laughs> and I would just like to pair that joke with a joke from a previous album in which he explores a very similar uh, discourse yeah. Yes, I've
0: been swearing a lot lately you ever go through those modes where you just can't help but swear, swear all the time fuck is like the best word ever <laughs> this guy and I, we got in this little beef, we got in this little fight right and he yelled fuck you, and there's nothing above once somebody hits you with fuck you, that's it, there's nothing better there's nothing above, you can't come back with oh fuck me, yeah, uh, gay lord <laughs> doesn't have the
3: same. Okay, so premise of that joke is that (laughs) Buck is such a powerful insult. Fuck you is such a powerful insult that you can't come back with, yeah, Gaylord, but again, on your next album, you're going to do a 12 and a half minute set about how you demolished the teenager at the Burger King by calling him Gaylord.
2: Yep, he wants to have his cake and eat it too.
3: (laughs) God, he's so fucking stupid. <laughs> this is probably the last track we'll play before we get into some of Dane Cook's style. And this is a really good track for elucidating one of his stylistic features, which is his fake universality that he sort of creates in his mind.
0: We've always had creepy people around. Somewhere in your life, there's a creepy individual. And it starts off when we're youngins. When we're youngins, there's a creepy person. Back in school, back in the day, which, by the way, I don't know if you know this, was a Wednesday. A Shut funny. the fuck up! <laughs> Yeah, when you refer to
2: back in the day, it was a Wednesday. Take that home, chew it. You so random ass like, motherfucker.
0: Shut we the fuck top. up. <laughs> was always that one kid in school that kid in class smelled like piss. Right? Robbie was his name. Okay. Robbie or Obby. He was an Obby name.
3: I'm pretty specific here, Dan. Yeah, there's always a kid in your class who's almost like I'm actually like willing to accept that as a premise. It's not personally true, but I could see that being the case. The idea that one child was unwashed and smelled like piss. Okay, maybe that didn't happen at my school, but it is sort of believable enough to imagine that it could have happened. But just the idea that his name is Obby. <laughs> just like not a real human name again yeah it's a funny sound
2: he was like robbie robbie would be funnier if it were just obby and then he builds that into his joke it's Mm. it's just the sounds of language it's like
3: ooh obby that's that's good he is really a great spoken word guy he would he would crush a spoken word thing because he is just all about the sound like the phonetics Mm -hmm. of delivery rather than having any substance as john mccain would say he's all sizzle, no steak.
2: Yeah, yeah. He would have been a great annoying
3: slam poet. <laughs> <laughs> he
0: didn't just smell like a hint of piss. He didn't smell like a smidgen of piss.
3: Okay, second example. That
0: kid smelled like he was dipped in a vat of piss. Dipped. Like he woke up that morning and said, "Woo, bring on the piss."
2: Four times. And mm. someone
0: brought on the piss.
2: Five times. Rule
0: of five. I would bring piss on, but you Six. can pretty much hire anybody on Google these days to just type in piss painters or something and I'm sure somebody will come over and coat you down put a sheen of piss on you for a reasonable price
3: yeah or his parents just didn't wash him and he, didn't.
0: <laughs> he would steal from the class he was a fucking thief a fucking stealing thief he
3: would use his piss paper. describing a, a child with behavioral issues
0: steal <laughs> shit from the class cause he's a thief,
3: a klepto thief Bobby. Why? Why would him smelling like piss distract from him stealing stuff? Wouldn't that My draw markers, attention to him?
0: markers. <laughs> Remember those that teacher would put them out? Everybody freak. Give me the red one. Give me the red
3: one. <laughs> uh, I hate this bit. Yeah. I it hate.
2: Like he just hops the you microphone like on stage. I know.
0: Give me the brown one. I'll trade you. Give me the. Four hops. Five hops. <laughs> How do they do this?
2: How
0: do they do this? Black one always smelled like an asshole,
2: didn't it? Smelled
3: like black licorice.
0: <laughs> you grab the black one. Six. What
3: is that? Seven. It's a bag of
0: asses. <laughs> Whole bag? I'm keeping this. This one's Eight. mine. <laughs> I can't Nine. stop, guys. I can't. All right.
3: That's enough of that. Yeah. I really feel like I've just gone on the Oregon trail after listening to so much (laughs) Dan Cook. I don't know why we did this in the 2000s. Like I said, the only plausible explanation is that September 11th spiritually drove a plane into all of our brains (laughs) and just destroyed it. Because there's no other reason for us to have flocked to this comedy this much. It makes no sense. It's so bad. Mm -hmm. God damn. But it's
2: very high energy. It's spectacle, man. It's
3: the Iraq War. (laughs) was
2: described as employing shock and awe tactics. The idea is that America would use this overwhelming military superiority to shock the Iraqis into submission. And this is truly the shock and awe of stand-up comedy.
3: I have adulated him on this podcast already that his ability to commit to a bit and act like a monkey or whatever is impressive. To do that without hesitating is a skill.
2: To think in your head, I am going to huff through my nose ten times. Times. In right. the next
3: 120 seconds, and not break mm-hmm. power. It's a yeah. power move. Okay, so let's get into some of Dane Cook's stylistic features. We've already sort of peppered this through the album review, but really physical. Does a lot of act outs. Any chance he can get, he will step aside into the tangent and talk about you know blowing a Justice filey load.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's insanely high energy. He's
3: the opposite of Mitch Hedberg. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> truly the opposite because yeah. Mitch Hedberg is just a joke writer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also a decent performer in his own way, but he is pure setup punchline, Mitch mm-hmm. Hedberg, right? Whereas Dane Cook does not do setups or punchlines. He just does like spoken word poetry, which sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they, is it fair to say that's the official remember shuffle take on spoken word poetry is that it's bad? Yeah.
2: It stinks one thing worth maybe noting in terms of his style is that it is not very political. He very rarely brings up political issues. He doesn't talk about Republicans or Democrats or the two wars that were going on. (laughs) Or even the stupid president that a lot of people made some comedy gold out of. It doesn't need to be obnoxious, resistance lib, anti-Trump style comedy. I think one of the best bits of the decade is Cat Williams' bit about having insurgent friends. Our government
3: pimps, they get on the news, they act like we ain't even over there killing real people. They don't never get on the news and say today we killed four men, three women and two children. They use a word can't readily
0: identify. Today we killed a group of insurgents.
3: (laughs) We at the house like, I don't even know no motherfucking insurgents. (laughs) You can kill all them motherfuckers I don't have not one insurgent friend. friends But there is none of that In <laughs> Dame. Or Steve Harvey's Steve Dunn killed the baby bit About how if he was in Iraq He would just kill everybody <laughs> <laughs> What Steve Harvey did that? Steve Harvey has a bit about It's a good thing they didn't send me to Iraq Because I would just kill everybody And the punchline is Steve Dunn killed the baby <laughs> that rocks. America's (laughs) Christian family feud hosting comedian talking about child murder. That rocks so hard. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a a satire, right? To just point out that a regular person's reaction to being in war is just to murder anyone (laughs) on site because you're scared.
2: Yeah. And yeah, he's, as we've said, incredibly self-indulgent. So this album that we've been reviewing, Retaliation, is a double album, which already is a little self-indulgent. I mean, The Clash is London Calling that I mentioned. is one of the greatest albums of all time. And they released that second album for free. They took a financial hit (laughs) to
3: give their fans more awesome Clash music. Dane Cook,
2: it's 103 minutes long. It's insane.
3: Yeah, and we know because we just listened to it why it's 103 minutes long, because he can't mention Justice Files without getting into that and making that a bit. And we should also note that this album, which was so successful, was marred by a joke theft controversy. Mm. And, And in general, I'm pretty forgiving with joke theft. I do believe in parallel thinking. If we're observing things about society, we're sort of inevitably going to think of similar premises, right? But the difference with this example is that he was accused of stealing from Louis C.K., who is also a Boston area comic coming up at the same time, who had put three jokes on an album four years earlier, Louis C.K.'s Live in Houston album. And he had three jokes, guy on a bike, itchy asshole and kids names that are incredibly similar to Dane Cook's three jokes. and. If it was just itchy asshole, I would tell you you're stupid for implying that there was joke theft because it's such a simple premise, you know, the idea that you get an itchy asshole. But the internal structure of these jokes is the exact same, and there's three of them. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to believe that he didn't steal them. For example, the joke, My Son Optimus Prime, the joke there is that I can name my kid something stupid, Mm -hmm. right? And so Dane Cook's example that he builds that is, I'm just going to name my kid one letter, no vowels. So, (laughs) go to your room. (laughs) And Louis C.K. four years earlier, that joke is, I'm just going to name my kid just the F sound. Which admittedly, I think Dane's is better, but it's still... F- and it's still just not that good a joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so we'll get into some of the themes of Dane Cook's comedy in general. So much like we mentioned on the Spike TV episode, the aughts had this macho culture, probably because we were at war, but it, like didn't affect your life in any way. But like you still felt vindictive over 9-11 or something.
2: They didn't have to actually make any sacrifices for the war that was going on. It didn't yeah, it affect right. your life in any meaningful way.
3: And so the 2000s had this sort of mean spirited, raw mess masculine energy. This is like a very similar thing to the 80s and I've always wanted to do an episode on like 80s and 2000s parallels and Dane Cook, I think, embodies a lot of that masculine energy, like macho culture. The, the tight t-shirts and showing off how much he was fucking. All of his bits are about him just being mean to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the word Jernano is
2: dancing around is, he is the toxic masculinity <laughs> yeah. comedian.
3: <laughs> yeah, and would it hurt to like, occasionally have a, like, a self a facing joke. Any joke he has about the woman is always like, So I told this twat to get some jelly, or mm-hmm. like, you know, I came in the girl's mouth and she was trying to talk and sounded like a fucking idiot. A joke that he actually has that actually has a setup and punchline. Oh, wow. Which you pointed out to me is that my girlfriend's always telling me, Dane, all you care about is sex. And Dane Cook says, Hey, finish blowing me and we'll talk about this later. Yes. Which at least up. has the structure of a joke, <laughs> has a setup, has a punchline. He has like an extended bit about how some girls have gross pussies (laughs) he just we've talked about this in a couple other episodes i think probably spike tv but you were just allowed to be like a bad guy in the 2000s and i think that the one reason why he had such a meteoric fall is because he did present himself as a hateable figure who was relishing in his success
2: Mm -hmm. he called one of his tours
3: tourgasm at least when stav does it it's kind of ironic Mm -hmm. right the fat rascal the prince of pleasure yeah 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 Fat little slut to her Yeah she, he <laughs> has
2: Multiple jokes About getting blown And this thought Occurred to me actually You know what would be So much better Is if Dane Cook Had a bit About blowing a guy <laughs> You know when you're Blowing a guy Think about all the Sound effects he could do He could put the microphone In his mouth, mouth. Oh my He could God. get down
3: On his knees He could He could really Have some fun There is one joke Where he's empathetic And I think it's Probably one of his best And the joke is Creepy guy at work Mm. And he's, yeah. he's describing a co-worker who has mental health issues and is probably <laughs> going to shoot up the office. And so Dane is nice to him. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably his best joke. And it's the only one where he's not like, yeah, so I go around insulting people and telling them to, that they're gay. And, and then I <laughs> blow a load in women's mouths and they can't speak. But this is the one track where he's like, oh, yeah, I gave candy and tried to be a friend to the guy at work who has mental problems. Yeah. And I mean, the point of the joke is that it's still for his benefit because he's trying to avoid being shot but it was at least a brief oasis of kindness in Dane cook's act
2: yeah and i mean make the comparison between him and louis ck louis ck has some amazing self-effacing jokes It's a huge part of his whole shtick and act like louis ck's joke about eating a cinnabon at the arriving airport that he's at because <laughs> he thinks he's a fat piece of shit uh-huh. is so fucking funny and so much better than anything Dane cook could ever do uh-huh which he could have stolen some of that I wish he could have stolen some of the self-effacing <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. from Louis C.K. We have a forthcoming episode that we're currently researching. It's our second entry in our type of guy series. And we call it, as a shorthand, the Epic Bacon Reddit Man. And we're still working on it. We're still, you know, hammering out all the creases, <laughs> however that metaphor works. And I think there is something very Reddit-y about Dane Cook. We, we can call it proto-Reddit because he is so early in the decade. He's not a history dork. He's not a fedora guy. He's not a military an atheist, which are all Reddit-y traits in my mind, but he's deeply cringe. And whenever I see a a particular kind of 2000s cringe, I think of Reddit. And I think it manifests itself in this so random aspect of Dane Cook's humor. So if you remember, the Reddit nerds would have a secret code phrase that they could Mm -hmm. use in real life to identify other Reddit fans. And that phrase was, what time does the narwhal bacon which they thought it was so funny. No, no setup, no punchline, just so random words. <laughs> and narwhal is kind of a word that sounds funny. It has funny phonemes. <laughs> and you can compare that to something like Dane Cook that we didn't describe. Dane has a setup. There are two things that guys want more than sex. And those are a pet monkey who teaches himself to talk and engages in duels with you <sighs> and going on a heist like in the movie Heat, which is so, oh my God, so random. Mm -hmm. It's also worth emphasizing his references are very Seth MacFarlane-y. He references Chips, the the clip that we played. He references Highlander as if it's a topical reference. He references the Transformers. Everything is from the 70s and 80s. And as we said in our office episode, this is a classic not funny guy move. Just make references no matter how (laughs) untopical they are. There's a big Michael Scott energy to Dane Cook. It's all connected. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he is fundamentally a horny juvenile man-child. So we see this in his references to stuff in his childhood. We see this in his notion that slapstick is the pinnacle of comedy, but... He would have been such a good vaudeville performer. Oh my God, dude. Yeah, yeah. I could put this guy... Well, the Marx Brothers have a little bit too much wordplay. I don't know. If he, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs>
3: He's not even heady enough for for vaudeville. You know that guy? You know that guy who's always using the automat? <laughs> It's like, what do you have, would you not have a wife? But yeah, it it really is like having a silly child tell you a story, Mm -hmm. right? They're very animated. They're they're not holding back. They're repeating things over and over again. A lot
2: of digressions. Yeah. It's like an excitable child telling
3: his mom a story when he got home from school, except it's about getting blown. (laughs) (laughs) And like I said earlier, I wanted to exonerate Dane Cook. I wanted to do it so badly. He's had a lot of tragedy in his life. He had to lock his brother in prison for stealing $13 million from him damn that must have been something truly tragic right after both of his parents died i just wish that any of these experiences had given him any kind of self-awareness
2: i feel so bad for dane cook's therapist truly oh, what, what, man. what do you think it's like trying to get this guy to dig down into his emotions yeah i will beat the drum for therapy as a concept i think it can't hurt and might might even help but therapy sessions are 45 minutes and so i worry <laughs> about dane cook in therapy because his jokes have 20-minute setups and no punchlines. I don't know (laughs) if he's
3: really able to dig down in a therapy hour. Mm -hmm. I know that his first therapist, Dane Cook, said that he found because he was a comedian's therapist. (sighs) He must be so rich. (laughs) (laughs) But Dane Cook said he walked in. He was talking to the therapist about possibly using him, and the therapist said to him, actually, I hear your name in in my sessions all the time. And Dane Cook was like, I got to have this guy. Dude, you got fucking rooked by this therapist. Yeah, awesome. He said the the magic words to you, which are I've heard people talking about you. So let's get into some of Dane Cook's good jokes, because he is occasionally capable of writing something that is introspective. And I would just like to highlight a couple of these examples. The first is a a track called Bonus Track. (laughs) So something that almost got left off the album.
0: (laughs) You got to love your job because so many of us have horrible jobs. I think the worst feeling is when you wake up late for your job. Especially if it's a shitty job. Right? Cuz you wake up you wake up late for your shitty life. You're late for
3: your crappy life. How awful is that?
0: I'm late for what I hate.
3: Ugh. Just ugh. not a bad joke, yeah. Something observational about life that is true. So, good, good on his producer for being like, I really think we should add this bonus <laughs> track from a separate show onto the end of your first album, <laughs> yeah. Little, uh, some diamond in the rough there, yeah. So, let's move on to the echoes in the culture. So, thankfully, Dane Cook actually fizzled out you know, in 2010. By then, like, his star had completely fallen. We stopped making his shitty movies, although he made one good movie. Apparently called Mr. Brooks.
2: Yeah, they tried to make this guy a leading man. He was a leading man in two movies, both rom-coms. There was Employee of the Month, where he co-starred with Jessica Simpson. And Dax Shepard also was in it. In that, speaking of man-children, he plays a slacker who works at a Costco-style place and wears Heelys to work, if I recall correctly.
3: Yeah, respect. Yeah. <laughs> As someone who wore Heelys way too late in life, respect.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then he started a movie called Good Luck Chuck, which... Which I bring up only because, first off, he co stars with Jessica Alba, oh, I believe. Maron. Yeah. 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 The premise of Good Luck Chuck is that Dan Cook is so comically good at fucking uh, or there's some kind of magic <laughs> no, there's element. A hex, yeah. There's a hex on him that after he fucks a lady, she immediately finds her long term partner and gets married. And so I haven't seen it. Jordano, you've seen it. I it, saw it in
3: theaters. I, I was a big Dan Cook head. Yeah.
2: And so we get some nice, some quality fat phobia jokes where it's like, even when he fucks a morbidly obese lady. That's even, how they test the hex out. Yeah. They're like, what
3: if he fucks an ugly
2: woman? Will she still find love? I can just imagine Dane Cook hearing the premise of this film and
3: telling his agent, You get me in this picture or you're fired. <laughs> fired. As soon as he saw the seven minute montage of him having sex with different women, he was like, I need to be in this film. This motion picture. No, actually, Dane Cook does have a, a word that he uses for movies it's cinematic adventures. <sighs> you get me in this cinematic adventure now. <laughs> God damn! Yeah, so these movies, I think
2: some of them might have turned a profit, but Hollywood realized this guy is not a leading man. This guy should not be in movies.
3: Yeah, he had a joke where he talks about the Rotten Tomato scores that his movies have because they're 33%. And I think his joke was, oh yeah, well, I have $33 million to go along with my 33% movies. So, great. Cool. Cool. Yeah, awesome. (laughs) We're glad you're super rich. You really rooked us. (laughs) Yeah,
2: in terms of echoes in the culture. This one might be a historical accident, but he may have coined the term Karen.
3: It's very likely that he contributed to Karen being the word that we associate with an over-entitled middle-aged white woman.
2: Yeah, he has a bit about the friend that nobody likes and the example that he uses is Karen.
3: Because he just really chooses the name. He doesn't really get into sort of the authority thing that we usually satirize about Karens. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the biggest
2: echo in the culture is, like we said, at the top of the show every comedian must use social media now whereas this is what made him special and I think it also contributed to his downfalls that
3: everyone else caught up everyone else also started using exactly exactly every comedian started using social media and if you're the only comedian using social media you can skip the line the the meritocracy sort of falls apart for a second not that there's a true meritocracy obviously but it does sort of fall apart if only one comedian has a website and is using MySpace and email and now you cannot be a comedian Okay. It's impossible to be a comedian without social media. You have to take your clips. You have to put them on TikTok. You have to do fan outreach. And he's like the first person to do that. So I think that's the biggest echo in the culture for Dane Cook. And I think if you watch reels or shorts or TikToks, I think that there is a lot
2: of comedy out there on the reels and shorts and talks that looks like Dane Cook. Mm, Yes. On my For You page or whatever, I saw a comedian who does these extended bits that are Dane cook levels of specific examples of like fake universality the woman who makes her dry skin her whole personality and it's her walking through her house being like oh it's so good to see you i have dry skin or whatever
3: yeah no no most tiktok bits are a dane cook premise a hyper specific thing that they're trying to make universal so it's like everyone has a friend who just got back from madrid (laughs) and they always do this and they always act like this Mm -hmm. and that's the tiktok bit that you do or someone's tiktok bit might be these are the four types of guys in every heist Mm. right and then they do an act out of like
0: where's the van
3: (laughs) guy who's hacking into the mainframe i just need a little more time yeah that would crush on tiktok yes and so his style of comedy i think lends itself really well and if if dane cook was his girlfriend's age (laughs) <laughs> he would be an incredibly successful TikTok comedian. Yes. Yeah. And he's actually a Twitch streamer. He, he streams himself playing one of those shooting games. Oh, uh, okay.
2: It would be so fucking funny to me if Dane Cook was into some of those maps, the video game games. If you tuned in and Dane Cook was streaming Crusader Kings too. <laughs> Let me tell you, my vassals are fucking twats. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: man. Dane Cook also still puts out comedy It does not do very well (laughs) but he still puts out albums. He released an album in 2022 (laughs) called Above It All, which is a great name for your own album to give yourself a compliment. And (sighs) it is so wild. I would recommend you listen to this album as performance art because it's an hour long. It's a live performance, right? Because that's how stand-up comedy has to be done. There is so little audience laughing on this album. It's insane. And I think that when you're a comedian and you're sort of forced to perform either at open mics or in small features where there is actually pressure to at least have laughs elicited from the audience. But he's so big and rich now that he's not workshopping these at all. And there's no audience laughter. It's an hour long. There's there's no audience laughter. I'll play a little clip here from a 20 minute joke called my stalker which is about a woman with schizophrenia who stalked him and dane cook calling her ugly dane cook really punching up on this (laughs) (laughs) yeah he acknowledges at the end of the joke that she has schizophrenia and but he also has an extended three minute digression where he talks about how ugly she is so yeah i'm just gonna pick a random spot in this track listen to the amount of audience laughter i know that i can basically pick any point in it all of day two my anxiety hits like I'm I never had anything like this since
0: I was maybe like a kid I was really scared and yet at the same time I was trying to keep you could hear a
3: pin drop because <laughs> I
0: wanted to check the DMS I kept like I just wanted to know like what her mindset was I picked a so random I moment I finally had to leave the phone and just to go into another room to just you know try to have a sandwich or just you know do something rudimentary and then every once in a while, I'd hear her outside go, check your DMs!
4: <laughs> yeah,
0: so okay. I would check my DMs. And so would you. If somebody bellowed, check your DMs outside of your residence, you'd check your DMs. Yes.
3: Bellowed outside your residence. Mm, he of loves day it. Two, she's out there. Cinematic adventures. Day three, I wake up, still there.
0: Call my <sighs> friend who's an
3: LAPD officer. <laughs> there- what is the laughs per minute (laughs) on this bit
2: i don't know if this is the vein for comedy that he wants to tap his
3: schizophrenic stalker i don't know how relatable it makes dane cook should not have 36 million dollars dane cook should be like a quebecois raconteur who (laughs) performs for audiences of 12 people and lives in his van That's what is an appropriate level of success for someone with his storytelling abilities. That's an incredibly specific analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. He should be like a guy who goes to grade schools telling. Ch- well, <laughs> 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 under observation. <laughs> Who like, tells kids stories about folklore or something?
2: <laughs> Gather round, children, and hear the story of the time I flipped the cashew into my mouth for my erect <laughs> penis. <laughs> That's a real day cook bit.
3: Anyway, that's a little clip from his most recent album. Go listen to it. Yeah, if you just want the surreal experience of listening to someone's live comedy album where people are laughing less than a Tom Myers album. He's so non-self-aware,
2: has done so little introspection. He didn't think to himself, this shouldn't be released. This isn't good because he can't conceive of a world in which what he does is not mm-hmm. good.
3: And the album name is Above It All.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Above The Jokes. even yeah.
3: <laughs> Above Laughing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, it's worth emphasizing when he's asked about what happened to his career. He says that he took stand-up comedy everywhere it could go and everywhere he wanted to take it. Alexander gazed out and wept for <laughs> he had no more lands to <laughs> conquer. This is
3: how Dane Cook thinks of his own career. Yeah, and he says that the beautiful thing about his career is that it's growing in new ways. He says in the Theo Vaughn album, he's like, you know what? I could perform at Madison Square Garden. I could sell it out again, but I don't want to. I've already done that. If I
0: want to go back and play Madison Square Garden, I, I know I can do it. I know exactly how to put myself right back in
3: that. No, you couldn't. You could not sell out Madison Square Garden. And he says the only thing that's important in stand-up is laughs. Dude, you seem to be struggling even with that. And he still has so many stands. It's wild. He's done a lot of interviews on the podcast circuit recently. Dane Cook, come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and every comment is, yeah, he's the fucking man. He rocks. And you know what? They're all, they're all stupid people. B- People.
2: As Jordano has said, and I will kind of echo, I wanted to feel bad for him. This man has had some tragedies in his life in terms of his family. He has never touched alcohol or drugs in mm-hmm. his entire life. Or even a cigarette. Yeah. Or even a cigarette. Because his father was an alcoholic. I just would hope that someone like this would do some kind of fucking introspection. But he's just he's stuck in this permanent adolescence. I, I saw a stupid BuzzFeed listicle about his child marriage, where (laughs) they talk about his Instagram presence with her and he comments
3: on her posts like a fucking teenager. Dane Cook does this joke about his girlfriend because when they started dating, she was, I mean, started dating, quote unquote, you know, after they were just friends. She was 18 and he was 46 I believe Mm -hmm. And he makes this joke Oh people say that I'm cradle robbing all the time But she hasn't been in a cradle in nine years And he uses that joke both on his album And on Jimmy Kimmel And in both cases It gets a sort of stunned silence From the audience (laughs) To take that joke on the road Hear that stunned silence every night And then go on to Jimmy Kimmel Mm -hmm. And try it again is wild Yeah
2: yeah. he tries to deflate The completely legitimate grooming allegations
3: <laughs> way more meat
2: on those grooming bones uh, when it comes to Dane Cook than the vast majority
3: of drag performers <laughs> yeah oh but- <laughs> yeah definitely
2: but yeah he tries to deflate it with humor and he'll say things like you know I love her so much I asked myself where have you been my whole life and then I remember she wasn't born for 28 years of it man you're not helping your case here
3: it is good that you're talking about it but you're just making a joke about how it is wrong <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah. You're not offering any sort of explanation. He doesn't even have the introspection or self
2: awareness to say something, and I'm not saying this would make it better, but say something like, she's an old
3: soul and I'm a juvenile man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that would have been the best approach for him is just to be like, listen, I'm 15 years old. I'm, you Ment- know, if, if, you, if you've seen my act, you know that I'm a child mentally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you look at the amount of work that he's had done and how young his girlfriend is, I think that he, He's obsessed with trying to go back as much as possible in his life. I think he wants to be young again. Let's just to put on my armchair a psychologist hat for a second. One more bit here that we'll put in in terms of maybe echoes in the culture is that now very famous actor Ike Barinholtz, um, yes. at the time contemporaneously, did an amazing Dane Cook impression on Mad TV. So I'd like to just play a little clip of that. man
0: Dane Cook why do they call bananas bananas should they be called bananas because they're fun and they're full of deliciousness is that the, isn't the point of banana that's why i eat a banana whoa <laughs> you, know, you know that one guy that hangs out with your friends and he's always carrying a ladder he's always got a ladder with him you know, <laughs> that's you know, my
3: favorite yes. like,
0: because i want to be taller than you, you know, step off <laughs>
3: Yeah, visually, by the way, the thing Ike Barinholtz keeps doing is staring at the camera and furrowing his eyebrows when he says, whoa, which is something Dan Cook does when he's being videotaped. Yeah, and he turns from camera one to camera two, right, as he delivers. Yeah, I mean, Dan Cook famously did an album In the Round, which is a round stage in Madison Square Garden, which is very difficult because your back is to the audience half the time. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's so physical on stage that he, he thought he was able to pull it off. Also, maybe worth mentioning, this guy holds the
2: record for longest consecutive yes, hours of stand-up.
3: Yes, he, he has broken his own record several times for the longest stand-up set. And it's easy to see why, after listening to some of these 20-minute bits, <laughs> that this man just cannot move past the detail without focusing on it and going to elaborate on... Trying to make some funny sounds with his mouth,
2: whether that's oh, yeah. mispronouncing sandwich as sandwich, or whether it's incorporating some SAT words into his whole thing. I was ensconced.
3: On my couch Then repeating that Uh, Yeah Then repeating it A million times Yes Uh God he sucks so much And that was not Always my opinion You Mm -hmm. know like I said I liked him At 15 years old In fact I don't know If I'll leave this in But when I was 15 I decided to Do some stand up In our high school Coffee house And for whatever reason They gave a 15 year old Who had never done stand up A nine minute set (laughs) Which is absurd To think about I should have had Three tops And I had read that comedians develop a style over time and I was like well I don't have a style so I just copied Dane Cook's and if I feel brave enough I'll play a little clip of that after maybe after the closing credits or something
2: I think you should I was there for it I remember you
3: crushing dude <laughs> I did crush because I stole a style that's the hardest part of what would stand up is having a style and I was just like oh I'll just take this thing where you just say words like hyper specifically so yeah the remember shuffle take and belief is that comedians should be good yep we will proudly go on the record (laughs) you you may quote us on that stand-up comedians should be funny and this is america for all of our faults one of the things that we pride ourselves on is the entertainment industry our ability to make movies and television shows and stand-up comedy from what i understand this is like the only culture in the world that does stand up even properly Mm -hmm. i've heard from friends in other countries that they have stand-up comedians in Germany or Italy or India or Japan, but it's not the same. And so this is an American art form, I believe, and we're supposed to do this well. And Dane Cook just does not do it well (laughs) at all. We're not sending our best. He has brought great shame to the nation. (laughs) I will say, by the way, shout out to Boston, just researching this. It's truly incredible the number of comedians that come out of Boston. There are more comedians from Boston than the entire state of Florida. The state of Florida has way more people. There's something about that city. Maybe it's because it's cold and mean. (laughs) But there's truly an amazing number of comedians from Boston, including Mr. Cook himself. Yep, yep. Sir Dane Cook. (laughs) So yeah, there it is. There's Dane Cook, the
2: horrible comedian who really encapsulated a certain historical moment, which is
3: just give me the shock and awe pageantry, keys dangling fucking. Yeah, the greatest key jingler of all time, Dane (laughs) Cook. (laughs) This episode was tough to research. <laughs> I got, like It was easy to write, tough to research. You don't know how many hours of Dane Cook I had to listen to for this. And it was truly grating, especially his latest stuff. Oof, my God. <laughs> I don't even want to compare him to a clown because clowns can at least. Yeah, you know. I, I have respect for clowns. I actually think it's a really nice art form. Yeah,
2: have you ever seen Steve-O do his clown shtick? It's awesome. And Zach Galifianakis too, yeah.
3: Does he have a clowning background? He has a clowning show called Baskets. For, oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. He just, he sucks. He should have made beat poetry. Or he should have been like a road comic at best. There's no reason for him to have $36 million. All
2: right. So as we always say, if you joined us, thank
3: you for listening. Please like, subscribe, give us five stars. Yeah. It, a review. It, by the way, if, yeah, if you're listening anywhere, Ben and I would very much appreciate it if you went to either Apple Podcasts or Spotify and left a review. That really helps a lot with search engine optimization. So if you feel like it, you know, just tap the five stars or whatever rating you want, really it's up to you and uh, and just leave a rating of any kind that would be cool yeah we got some episodes in the pipe that we're really excited about and also if you'd like to follow us on instagram we are remember shuffle pod and we post clips from the show and other 2000s ephemera if you'd like to look us up there oh yeah and twitter too all of our fucking socials we're gonna okay. be like dane cook <laughs> yes. we're launching remember shuffle.com it costs us twenty five thousand dollars. got gotta spend money to make money <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Ciao, ciao. Bye.
1: bad vibe from is McDonald's. McDonald's. Have you ever have you ever gone into a McDonald's and there's no one in line and you don't know what you're gonna get yet? So you do that thing where you stand like four meters away from the counter and you peruse through the menu gently and then. Cashier, the stupid, idiotic, overambitious cashier. He that cashier has the nerve to say to me, Can I help you? And you look at him like, no, you can't help me. If I if I needed help. I would be standing the usual palm distance away from the counter. I, as you can see, am standing four meters away. So why don't you be quiet for a while, alright? Because I, I have an important decision to make, alright? I need to pick what I'm going to eat.